I'm Adam Wharton and you're watching Rovers Chat. Hello and welcome back to the Rovers Chat podcast. It's episode number 25 and in a week that transfers have dominated with some Lewis Travis leave on loan to Ipswich. Yassine already arrived from senior affiliate Brighton whilst Ben Crisenier also joined from Aston Villa. We've also seen news that Rovers might be signing a centre-back for money, surprisingly. We'll go into that as well. And we also saw Rovers book the place in the fourth round of the FA Cup with a comprehensive win over Cambridge. And we set up a fourth round tie with a certain Rex, and we were, I'm sure you're sick of hearing who they're on by by now. We'll go into all of that in this episode and more. Let's introduce the co-host, Mike. I'll come to you first. How are we feeling? Yeah, I'm a bit better after that first half against uh, Cambridge. Um, I think it took to the 37th minute for me to settle down. But yeah, started to feel a bit better after that, after another roller coaster week of Rovers. Yeah, definitely. Mark, how are we feeling? All good, all good. Obviously a bit later. Apologise, boys. I've been a bit busy today. First day back at work and all. But yes, all ready to go. So before we start, I think we need to mention that the Cambridge game, Mark, you were there, weren't you? Mm. Would you? The firework yeah. that went off at half time. I couldn't uh, pass the podcast. I thought he had. Out, I thought that. he had some sort of. I thought he had some sort no, of story there. Just of like me, me ignoring it. The thing, but yeah. <laughs> I've only just recovered from that firework. I thought we'd give it a mention. This. Oh. I don't know what happened, but fireworks at Ewood Park. Not something we've seen much this year. Is it Obviously, on this... one of the hills. Yeah, yeah, the hill behind, just behind the, the riverside. Yeah, you, yeah. you could see the, the stewards up all of the second half. On the investigator. Mm. Stay tuned for that. Uh, so Rovers, like we mentioned, not Cambridge United out the cup with a five-two win. Mike, you summed it up perfectly about being restless until the thirty-seventh minute. Mike, I'll start with you though. General thoughts on the game? Anyone that impressed you, even though it was basically the first team. My initial thoughts when he put the team out, I thought we need to win well today because it was obviously a confidence rebuilding job. I thought that was backfiring for the first half. I think Smodix did what Smodix does. I was, I just can't get over the defending. Is my overriding feeling. Well, yeah, there's definitely that, isn't there? Uh, Mike, we obviously saw Sammy Smodix add to his goals, 19 now for the season. It sounds an obvious question. How stuffed would we be without him? Definitely stuffed without his goals. I mean, obviously, we've broken down his play quite a bit. And I think we, I mean, I know Mark actually said at the start of the season, it was the one thing he needed to add to his game was goals. And by God, has he done it? But yeah, I mean, it's, we, we, we're crying out for a goal score. And I wasn't expecting it to be Sammy Smodix, but just his, his movement into the right positions and his finishing is just absolutely superb. I mean, we can, Go on about his passing, his link-up play not being the best. But, you know, if all you're going to do is score goals, it's not a bad habit to have, is it? No, definitely not. And we know with Smodic, you know, we've discussed his impact and his influence this year. Uh, I was impressed by him. I thought he was actually good off the ball as well, which is something that we maybe criticised a lot, albeit against lower opposition. But we mentioned the fourth round tie with Wrexham. Mike, how are we feeling about Disney Plus coming to town, Hollywood and everything else? Yeah, I mean, it's. I was quite embarrassed about our performance against Cambridge. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought, I thought we got away with it a little bit in that first half, and then obviously second half we just turned the screws and actually went and got the results. If we play like that against Wrexham, and it's going to be all over TV and all over their documentaries, I'm going to be a little bit embarrassed about it. So, this is something where it's a potential banana skin, and I'm just absolutely desperate for Rovers not to do the Rovers thing. I want us to embarrass them. I really do. Yeah, definitely. For for us, the uh, the Twitter DMs have been absolutely flooded this evening as we record it as the draw were done. I think there's going to be quite a lot of focus on this game, isn't there? Which I don't know whether that's a positive. Probably a positive thing financially for the club. We'll probably get that TV money, but maybe not with the situation going on, especially if Rovers you know, struggling the next couple of games. Anyway, we'll move on to Saturday's trip to the Hawthorne. Drovers travel to an informed West Brom side. A tough game for us. We always struggle at the Hawthorns, really. Mark, how do you feel ahead of Saturday? Do you think Rovers stand a chance of getting anything? Are we going to be looking at seven league defeats in eight? I think it's very difficult at this moment in time to look at us going to West Brom and think this is a chance at three points. 
only a few weeks ago we were talking about how we can see a way, not necessarily think all the time, but we can see a way that Rovers go to any ground and get a result. I'm struggling to see that way at this moment in time, just because our defending is meaning that we're needing to score two just to get a draw. Yeah, that's it. I think that's my worry for me that I know we've been more this year about the lack of a striker, but when we're not keeping out the net at the other end, it, it doesn't really matter. We've been scoring goals as well recently, just uh, just a struggle. Mike, is there anyone you'd like to see come back in the team? Obviously, like we said, they played a lot last time out you know, against Cambridge. Is there anyone you'd like to see maybe given a goal, maybe one of the bench players? I'd like to see a striker finish 90 minutes, that's for sure. Um, I've had enough of half-time changes here or there. I'd like to see Harry Leonard get a full game. I think he's a cracking player. I know he missed a bit of an open goal against Cambridge, but his header was cracking. I'd, I'd like to see Harry Leonard get that full game. I mean, I'm worried about us at the moment because everything seems to be in a bit of disarray with people leaving, the people coming in have got to settle. We don't know who we're going to sign between now and West Brom, but we've got to assume that they're not actually going to play. So who we've got now, to be honest, I think I just want to see Leonard start and get 90 minutes, you know, get 90 minutes up top. Yeah, I think that's such a key thing. We've got three strikers, haven't we, that are all not getting the full game. You saw Tolovic taking off against Cambridge, which I thought were actually harsh. I'd have liked to see him stay on. Yeah, you got Harry Leonard, who I know divides opinion in the fan base. I'm obviously a big fan of him, but uh, we're just not seeing it. I mean, Niall Ennis as well, obviously, coming on for 20 minutes, 25 minutes at the end, which the Plymouth fan today gladly reminded me of when we were discussing Ash Phillips. But, uh, yeah, strikers-wise, it's just not working for us, is it? Hopefully, we can add one this window. We'll go on to transfers. We'll go on now, actually. We'll move on and discuss Lewis Travis's departure to Ipswich, obviously joined the promotion chase's side on loan. And we've seen, like we mentioned in the intro, Yassine Iori's arrived on loan from Brighton and Ben Crisini's arrived from Aston Villa. Now, Mark, you were doing all the reaction videos on the day, so I'll let you off this one. Mark, you're in the spotlight here. We'll start with Travis. Now, obviously, the move came as a shock to a lot of people. What's your take on it? Because we've discussed him a lot this year. He's been quite a talking point on the podcast. Are you happy with the move? Dissatisfied? What we're saying? I think the strange part of it is is obvious. It's that we're crying out for experience, and we've let one of our most experienced players go. However, we know where we are at this moment in time because of the finances. I think financially, can you have a player like Lewis Travis? You would imagine being captains earning a relatively big wage for the club. Can you have that sat on the bench, or can you utilise it more? He's not been playing, and I can't imagine Lewis Travis and Yundal's hinted at this, that Lewis Travis is a particularly positive influence around the place if he's not playing. I think very similar to Robbie Savage. I know we've compared him, compared him to him a few times, but I remember Mark Hughes saying at the time when he had Savage, I'd love to keep him at the club, but Robbie Savage is not a player you can have sat on the bench. He gets frustrated, he gets narky, he gets angry, and, he, and, he, and he's then not a positive influence. And... I feel like financially, as much as the influence he was possibly having by not being too happy with might be the reasons. And and for both of those, if you can utilise that money better and a happy camps are better, you know, they often Alex Ferguson often talked, didn't he, about it's the players you get out rather than the players that you bring in sometimes. Yeah, of course it's the one with Travis hard because we never really know what's happened with the both come out and said the side, but Ultimately, we'll never really know when it's, it's hard to speculate. We obviously then saw two players come in, two inexperienced players. Uh, Yassin Iari had spent time on Coventry at Lawn earlier in the season. And then Ben Crescent, who's only really played a handful of games up in Scotland before he got injured. Now, obviously, people have been mourning it, the inexperience. Other than that, Mark, are you happy with the two deals? Or is it a case of just wait and see? I think you've got to wait and see. Obviously, Ayari, the, the initial thing was not what we wanted to hear. All the Coventry fans were saying, yeah, he looks like he's a player in there, but he's a bit weak. That's the opposite of what we need, really. Not that we want a rubbish player, but certainly in terms of the, the weak element. I think the Christ wants a strange one. He's obviously had a quite a long-term injury. He's very highly rated. But then at the same time, you know, we've got Jay Batty. We've got Georgie Gent, who's doing really well in the Scottish Premiership on loan. So to bring an Aston Villa player in who was on loan in the Scottish Premiership last year, it, it must be an upgrade, is all I can say. 
Yeah, again, like I think it's hard when we don't know these players. Sometimes chance, uh, loans don't work out at clubs. We've seen that, haven't we? And we've just got to kind of wait and see and hope that it works. We know where we are financially in this situation. It is what it is at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to discuss the squad depth as well. Kind of linked to the transfer window we put out on social media. If you don't follow us on X at Roverstrat underscore, put out a question basically that Mike put forward, which was, by the time we're at the end of the window, where will the squad compare from the start of the window to the end of the window? So we have the choices of the squad will be stronger at the end, the squad will end up weaker at the end, or it'll end the same. And it were actually quite close. When you suggested the question, Mike, I thought it'd be a lot more saying weaker. There were 25% said stronger, 34% said the same, and then 39 that said uh, ends up weaker. What's your thoughts? Do you think Rovers will end up weaker? I trust Broughton to be doing something in the background that we don't see. Um, so I I think all of these moves, they're all premeditated. For it all to happen this early in the window, it's all premeditated, it's all planned. You, you don't go um, into the... I mean, was it the 5th of Jan when, they saw, when all this was happening? I think it yeah. was. I mean, you know, you don't go five days into a window, loan out your captain and bring in a couple of loans and you know, put in bids for crew defenders and things like that without it all being premeditated. So I think there is a plan. Um, I hope there's a plan anyway. I assume there's a plan. I believe in the project. So I trust the fact that we are going to be stronger going out of the window than going into it. I mean, the one the one thing we need to remember is, you know, the evolution of a squad, you know, when you're at Rovers is going to be, it's going to be huge every single time because players don't necessarily want to stay because if they do well, they leave. If they don't do well, we need to get rid of them because we can't afford to just have people, you know, just riding on our coattails, getting a payday. So, you know, you have, we are going to build slowly and we need to use every window as we can. And we know we haven't got money, but I do, I do think that there is a plan to get in some players that we, you know, desperately need. Does the worry come now, Mike, about us only adding loan additions? Because we've got, correct me if I'm wrong, we've got three loan spots used. We have two left. I assume we're going to use them. Is the worry that then them five go back to the clubs anyway at the end of the window and then we're sat in this position in the summer? Probably. But, I mean, we haven't got any money, so we've got a choice, haven't we? We can keep with what we've got. Um, which wasn't necessarily working and cross our fingers and hope or we roll the dice and we bring in some loans. We don't have enough money to be able to put anything out there and have anything solid. You know, the middle win, uh, the uh, winter window, you're not going to have any free transfers really because if, if they were any good, they would have been snapped up anyway. So you're only going to get the dregs uh, on a free transfer. But I mean, there's rumours that Hill could potentially come back on loan. I've, I've heard that... It could be that he's just going back to Bournemouth for a couple of weeks to cover and then coming back. I don't know if you've heard that rumour. Um, I'll be surprised if that's true because <laughs> we can't take a risk on that one. Um, I think I've always I hate the loan system. I've always hated it. But at the end of the day, if you can't beat them, join them. So let, let's let's hopefully utilise the thing that worries me is I can't remember the last time we had a successful midfield player on loan that I would say was actually someone that I, I really loved on loan. Um, yeah, it's been I a long time. But Harvey Elliott obviously was a bit more of a forward player. But defensively, we normally, we've normally hit the nail on the head. So, yeah, I do think we'll get a couple of loans for the defensive side of things. But, yeah, who's going to be the other one? Is it going to be attacking? Is it going to be midfield? But, yeah, we no. are going to utilise it. Yeah, now you mentioned with Hill now, the only positive I can see from it is that he played for Bournemouth at the start. So, he, you know, that means that he's a, he can only, he can only play, play for Rovers or Bournemouth, yeah. yeah. But the issue is, like you say, is there any point in them taking him back for two weeks, three weeks? Unless they maybe dip into the window and find someone. But it's a situation I don't think we should hold a breath on it. I don't think we should be you know, relying on Hill to come back. Because we've seen what happens when you rely on certain transfers to come in and then it doesn't come off. So, yeah, it's a tough situation. Mark, in terms of anyone else potentially going out, is there anyone you'd like to see exit on loan or maybe permanently? I 
think it's if anybody fits into the boat of, of Travis for me. So like Mike said, but currently we've, we've not really got any money. So we're having to just play with the market we've got. If somebody becomes available, it all depends what becomes available, doesn't it? So they've talked about Isaac Hayden. You could kind of see the logic in that sort of signing. You know, I, I wanted us to be sniffing around Jack Colback in the summer because I think experienced championship players are, are hard to come by. He was on a free. His wages are probably astronomical. But um, for me, if JDT looks at the squad and thinks I can use that 15 grand a week better or that young player is not going to be developing. Now, one that I, I would talk about is possibly Garrett because we've just talked there about Gent being on loan and he wouldn't have been playing. If Garrett's not going to get in, but Ayari can take his bit part, potentially more, spot, then I wouldn't be against that at all. I think that would then become logical. And that's where I would use the loans is not to in, not to detrimentally impact our, our pathway, but actually for those that aren't quite there and we've tried... Garrett needs games, though. It's not doing him any good on the bench because he's then not playing for the 21s either. So I would use it like that, similar to Jack Vale. But, I mean, he's not he's not pulling any trees up, as he? We know he had an injury. But no. for me, he needs, to, he needs to go and play. And and I, you don't like saying things like this, but I think he's in danger of, of slipping right down the leagues if he doesn't go and do it somewhere. So he needs to go and do it. It's a big, big loan for him. I don't no, think I there's any point well. in him being back at Rovers. No, these loans have to benefit the player. We saw it with Danny Butterworth last year where he was sat in a position at Rovers where I, I think we all knew his Rovers career were up. I know he extended it by a year, but mm. it gave him that chance to go to Port Vale and he made an impression, got a league move, a league one move this yeah. year. He'd only takes one promotion to then get back into the championship and he's playing there. You yeah. know, he's not far off and that's it. it. It has to benefit the player. I think we've seen Rovers send too many players out on loan in the past. Uh, Jack Vale in a few loans he's had before to Halifax and and then we went to Barrow briefly before COVID cur uh, curtailed yeah. everything. We saw it with Matty Platt who was really just used as get him out of the club almost and send him on loan. Tyler McGlaw, we've got to use this loan system to our benefit in terms of players going out. Yeah, yeah it is. Think that's it. You've got to give him experience. Yeah, I think if you've got a player that's hitting his early, sorry, coming up to mid 20s, so anywhere between 22 and 25, and don't get me wrong, I would kill to be 22 or 25 again. But if you're going around the lower leagues on loan at that age, you're probably not going to make it and you're not going to get to the standard that Rovers need you to. Goalkeepers, that's different because they can have a prolonged career. Mm -hmm. But anywhere where it's a real physical, uh, pacey kind of position or anything like that physically, uh, confidence-wise, mentally, anything like that, as far as I'm concerned, if you are 22, 23 years old and you're still being loaned out to League 2 or even lower than that side, you may as well just go. You know, we may as well just get rid. Yeah, completely. And that's it. I think that's what Mike Sherry has mentioned it a few times, that they want to do that, that if you get to 20 even, you know, if you're not out playing men's football, it's probably time you do end up going out. Yeah. And whether that's us releasing or, you know, loaning. We can't I think the loan debate's so hard as well. No, well, that's it as well. We can't have people sat around on professional deals, let's be honest, that aren't really going to go on and achieve something as harsh as it sounds. And it's about getting them a career in the Football League as well. Rovers Academy will be judged off that as well. It is an important measure for them of not just how many people are playing for this first team, how many people are playing. But would you, know, would you the, uh, say that... the would you say the likes of the players that we've discussed are they? If 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 we had Jack Vale and players like that on the books and they were um, they were assigned to the squad for the season, would you be happy with Jack Vale say playing against Cambridge at the weekend? From what I've seen, I, I'm more of a no. I feel like that mm. you know the Telolovic and the Leonards would get that position over him. So that's kind yeah, of would, oh, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you need your stopgap players you need your players that pad out a squad but when you've got that depth chart and you're like fourth fifth down the depth chart and you and you're in your you know you're coming up to mid-20s that you, you know your time's going to be up and like you say you know professional contracts are not cheap are they and no, no this is it that rovers see and rovers try to do with the players i think georgie gent's a good example of you can still yeah. do it i think i saw his time up at the club i'll be honest i thought this were going to be a loan that we kind of say Go on, go and get a loan spell, make yourself a name up there, or make it, you know, get clubs interested. From all accounts, he's been very, very, very good. 
It's up for player of the month, isn't it? This month. Yeah. Uh, so you're absolutely right. Twenty-one. Uh, Twenty-one. Yeah. He's well, on that well, cusp, isn't he? He's on that cusp now. Jake Batty was ahead of him, so if it, he's probably now jumped above Jake Batty, you would say. So Batty needs he to go out on If we've got Christ any coming in, Batty has to go out on Yeah, he has to. Maybe, maybe that's the plan. Yeah. We like players from Scotland anyway. We've brought them into playing the first team. I think Ryan Edges has shown the Scottish League. You know, you can have players in that league who come down and perform well enough to be in a championship side. For me, I think next year we look at Georgie Gent and he's got to go in a second choice as we start next year because, like we say, Jake Batty, I think Jake Batty needs that one. You can tell when you watch him. I think he's yeah, good. But, and we might see some of him. There's a lot of 21s games coming on that uh, coming up in the next week or so that I will be at. So, you know, if there's any standouts, I'll mention them next week's podcast. Mm-hmm. But the debate on the squad sort of because of where Rovers are at. And again, it's the word we've used a lot, which is uncertainty. We still don't have a clue where we're at. Everything could change suddenly. And none of us have been any wiser, really. So it's, it is either. I'm glad I'm not the person dealing with actually making transfers because I'd be struggling now. It um, adds to the excitement, but Jesus, it's stressful as a fan. (laughs) I'd say, someone said to me, I think it was Elliot Johnson said to me, at least we've not got another Lewis O'Brien situation. And I'm in that role at the moment where I'm like, I'd rather have that. I'd rather know something we're trying to go on than absolutely nothing. But let's not but mention we, Lewis the, O'Brien. We're not the kind of enough. club that competes very well in the transfer market. If, you, if you're no, a player, no. if you're a player and you've got the choice between Blackburn or someone that's, you know, an upper championship kind of team they're probably going to look at us and say well I'm only going to come if I'm going to play and be a number one player for you and for all the will in the world we're not exactly looking a good prospect for a lot of players that we would look at especially experienced players you know so we are going to have to try and take a few risks here or there and keep a lot of business on the down low hoping that no one else gazumps us I think they do that really well though yeah, we all love speculation, but I love the fact, you know, the O'Riordan one, yeah, you like the speculation. I love the fact that two players, it's just, you get a five-minute warning on Twitter and it's, what? Where's that come from? Yeah. yeah no hint whatsoever. Everyone's Googling Not like that. Totally. Yeah, we was <laughs> like that when you were doing the videos. You... But, uh... and when I was doing them videos, I was like, oh, crap, I can't even, how do I pronounce his name? How do I do this? How do I do that? I'm messaging Villa fans. I'm messaging Coventry fans. I'm just trying to get as much information as possible. I'll do the video. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know anything about this guy. I, I assume he's good. It's off the yeah. cuff reaction. It's the best. It's uh, sometimes better to not go too much into him. You get obsessed. You with always the numbers. You always know it. you've signed somebody who's interesting when the family football WhatsApp's going off. My brother up in Newcastle, he's forty and he went, no idea. Nephew went, oh, I signed him on Football Manager. He's brilliant. We're having him. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's the way to do it. That's the way now. You're judging yeah. off Football Manager, not, uh, no. not anything else. Uh, first podcast of the year, the first proper Monday recording of the podcast. We know what's back. Let's play the song. Postman Mike's disappeared. I don't know where he's gone. Mike. You oh, took on. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, anyway. we're back. Nice little sing, Mike's mailbag. 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 It's Mike's mailbag. Okay, so we've got a few questions. So, uh, John and Lois are worried about the future. They've asked, what does the club look like in five years' time if it's still owned by Venkis? So, Dan. Do you want to answer that one? Good question, Lloyd. Thanks. That's a very good question. I was looking at this one and it's tough because no one knows what it looks like in six months at the moment. I mean, three months. And I think that's the biggest, you know, the biggest worry at the moment. For me, I think we're still in the same situation. I think we're around where we are now. Uh, I don't think the financial situation gets any better. I just think we're a a mid-table championship club like Ipswich became and Forest did for however many years they're in this league. I don't see how we go up with, as sad as it sounds, and the reason we go up because we want to go up. But 
I just don't see it being a point where we're competing with all these clubs that are coming down. It seems to be bigger and better financial clubs come down as well every year. You look at the three that come this year seem to be in the best state any clubs have been coming down in the last 10 years. So yeah. I just think a mid-table championship club that might float with the playoffs every once in a while and might float with relegation. Mark, what's your thoughts? I think it's tricky. I think, uh, you'd have asked me this last season. I thought we were... I, I could see a real roadmap for getting yes. back up. I think if we're still owned by them, then I think we'll be nearer the Premier League. But right now, we're nearer League One. And that's because of these financial restrictions. Now, that can't keep going on indefinitely. You've got people in the club who are employed, who are waiting on their wages, being guaranteed for, what, three months? You can't keep working like that. Now, the, the big thing for me is Venkis want to put money in. Venkis have money to put in. It's just FFP, and currently it's the restrictions from India. Now, what I would say is whilst we've been running on minimal spends, FFP's looking relatively, I mean relatively, rosy for us in comparison. So, you know, we've sold players. We've not really paid any money for people. So I, th I still think there is a route there. You know, we've got Adam Wharton, who you could potentially sell at some point for good money. Hayden Carter's another. You've got Raya money coming in. I think if we can keep Greg Broughton, I can see a roadmap to us being in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. This financial thing has really messed us up this season. I mean, we all predicted we'd be mid-table, but we didn't expect it would be this stressful mid-table kind of performance. Yeah. Um, I think the Venkis, we could go on about for days about what they've done in the past and we'll never forgive them. But we do appreciate what they're doing to keep the lights on right now. The positives I get, and this whole five years thing, is ask a Brighton fan how they felt five years before they went into the Premier League and look at them now, yeah. look at Luton, you know. But for me, it's the Brighton thing. Brighton were nowhere. They were doing nothing. And now they everyone's, I mean, they do the football manager model, don't they? It's the money ball kind of thing. But how many clubs now are in the Premier League that five years before they got into the Premier League, they looked nothing, they looked like nowhere. And that's my hope, is yeah, you never know yeah. when something's just going to trigger and it puts you on that trajectory going up. We talked my about worry, buildings. Carry on, Dan. Sorry, Matt. Uh, sorry, Matt. My worry is not with the current ownership in terms of, I think we could get someone else in and that takes us up. I just wonder where we stand. It's... It's just hard not knowing at the moment. That's the hardest thing. We, that... we all want that instant fix as well. Like we all want yeah. to see because because we're used to playing football manager and FIFA. You know, you can knock a season out in two three days, and it's like, oh, I'm Premier League champions as Blackburn Rovers, brilliant. But that's obviously it's it's you know you you have a poor performance or two, and it feels like it was years ago since we were actually being successful. I think I think in five years time. I agree with Mark. I think we're more likely to be into League One than Premier League at the moment. But because I've seen the Brightons and, and teams like that, I, I just think that if Venkis are still owning us and that that financial side is sorted from India, I, I do. I just got this feeling we're going to be a lot stronger in the next five years than what we have been in a long, long time. But that could be blind hope. But that that's just that's just just my feeling. So, Mark, I've got a question for you. Rowan Quinn asks, our tactics aren't working against even the easiest of teams and we have no plan B. Injuries play a part, but overall the style of play is lacking and the manager blames individual errors. So, effectively, he's blaming the players. So, the question is, is JDT losing the dressing room? I think not. Uh, he does blame errors. He's not wrong. I think that's what you get with with young players. And if you look at, and I'm not saying Yundal is this person, but if you look at, I remember Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher having this debate three, four years ago on Monday Night Football. And Gary Neville was saying that managers now just say the option, plan B is get better at plan A. 
And Carriker was saying, no, you have to have a plan B. You know, Burnley at the moment, they have to change. They have to try and get a different way of doing it. Neville was saying, no, you just have to get better at plan A. And I think Yondal is in that, that camp. It's not that he's necessarily not taking any of the blame. I think he is. But what I did notice at weekend was we've changed in the Watford game to a diamond midfield, which meant Tronstad was sitting and he had Garrett and Wharton and it meant Adam Wharton could get further forward. Cambridge, we tried the same thing, but we had Adam Wharton in, in the defensive position. He's not strong enough in that, that area yet. So when we moved back to a two, the other thing that happened was all of a sudden we got width and their right back, who was having a storming game, all of a sudden could not cope with us down that left-hand side because he didn't know whether to go to Pickering, who was overlapping, whether to pick up one of the midfielders, whether to pick Sigurd. So that made the other difference for me. It's the width. So he does have subtle changes to his plans. You know, sometimes we have Harry Pickering coming in on the inside. Sometimes it's it's Joe Rankin-Costello. I think they are individual mistakes. The problem he's got is a lot of them at this moment in time are coming from the goalkeeper, whether that's the beginning of the season or now. And he can't do too much about that. He cannot turn Volstead into a commanding goalkeeper. So I feel for him at the same time because he's being asked to say, develop these players in a game situation. Do I think he's losing the dressing room? Personally, no, because I think the players are, you see their work rate, you see the way that they are trying to implement what he's wanting. You wouldn't do that if you were not fully behind him. And also, he's giving these young players a chance that other managers might not. So I think from that sense, you will you'll have a level of trust in your manager and a level of gratitude. On the flip side, if you are certain players and somebody else comes in on loan and starts getting in ahead of you, I think you'd start to lose your gratitude in the manager quite quickly. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think a few players are probably looking around, getting a bit frustrated um, at the comments he's making. I mean, I completely agree. Like players are making mistakes. Volstead has made mistakes. Defenders have made mistakes. Strikers are missing chances, except for Schmodix, obviously. Um, I think I do think there's an element of not necessarily losing the dressing room, but unrest in the dressing room at the moment. Yeah. Because I, I would want my manager to be publicly supporting the club and the team. And because of all the moaning and the whinging, I don't think that's a real good look internally um, to yeah. the players yeah. as well as well as the upper echelons of, of Rovers. So I don't, my opinion is I don't think he's necessarily losing the dressing room, but I think he's going yeah. to be grating on a lot of them with how he is. I mean, Dan, have you got anything you, you can see there? It's again, one of them situations. I don't think he's lost it and I don't think he will lose it. I think he's in, he wants to play this playing style. That's not out whatsoever. He's, I don't think we're going to change from that unless we're suddenly, you know, God forbid, near the drop. But I just feel you get naturally where some people don't like the manager. It happens with every manager. I'm pretty sure even the best start lights in certain ways. And for me, I said on the last podcast that he needs to find that plan B. But I think what Mark said is exactly right, that he didn't change much of the other night or the other day, but it absolutely works. And for me, that's what he needs to start doing with his subs. And his, I think that's the one thing I can be very critical of him, that mm-hmm. if we're behind, we're behind, aren't we? And you know we're, yeah. you know we're pretty much out of it. And that's my worry. I don't think he's lost the dressing room. I just don't think... I don't think he got the players, which is the main thing, to do what he wants to do. I all think he's still proving a point, like we said last time. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel he's... <sighs> It's tough because I love John Dal Thomason, but there's times when I get really annoyed with him. There's times when I feel really sorry for him. I, I don't know how I feel about him, to be honest. I, I think one of the things that, that we're probably not used to, you're right, Mike, in exactly what you said, is you'd want him to be publicly backing the club and the players. I, I actually think what happens is he's just very, very honest in his interviews. So he's asked a question and he actually answers them what exactly what he's saying to the players. And I think he's just giving probably more information to them, obviously. But I think he's giving the answer he's giving to them and saying, listen, lads, you're young. That's fine. But you've got to stop cutting. You've got to cut that out. Whereas the old fashioned way of doing it was to come out and say, 
don't worry, it's all my fault. Now he's done that at the same time. I, I think yeah. it's that it's it feels like mourning when you're saying the same things and they're negative, doesn't it? But yeah, it doesn't mean they're not true. And I think in terms of has he lost the dressing room? I suppose what, what he's probably hinting at there is is Rowan is, is probably Lewis Travis. Lewis Travis, he's you know, Yundal's come out and said he, he wanted to play the number six position. We've all, all said we didn't think he was good enough in that role. I don't think personally Lewis Travis wants to be the sitter in our team, whether we're playing a two or a or a, a diamond. If he's the deepest one, he's not good enough positionally, to my mind. So he's not aware enough. He's not good enough for Yundal's team on the ball. He can't receive the ball in the half turn as much as he would like. So Yundal's found a place for him. The one thing I would say is I would have Lewis Travis in my first choice role as 11. And I would have him in a more of a free role, harassing and starting the press. Because that's where I would fit him in. And I think there's potentially a role for him in there. But if Yundal's not going to have him in, Lewis Travis isn't going to be happy. And he thinks Tronstad shouldn't be in well. I'd have John Stad ahead of him, and I think most fans would as well. Yeah, I mean, I get I get everyone's points there, and I, I do agree. I think I think because we're a young squad, that's why I'd like him to protect them a little bit in the media. Yeah, because we, we live in an era where it is all about social media, and the and the players. I mean, the players have we've heard the players listen to us apparently, and they see what we tweet and all of that. You know. They need to be protected from themselves sometimes going onto social media, but also they need to know that the manager is supporting them. And that, that's where I get irritated is when he is coming out and he is saying, well, you know, it's individual errors again. It's like, yeah, we can all see it's individual errors, but sometimes the players just want to maybe know that their manager is backing them because it will mm. add to their confidence that he's not airing the dirty laundry out in, uh, out in public. So... Yeah, it's it's a long conversation, uh, get, and yeah, and, and we're on a bad run of form as well. So it makes That's everything a lot, a lot more heightened, of course it doesn't does. it? And and I think I don't think he necessarily thinks he's airing dirty laundry. I, I get what you're saying, and it's traditional, isn't it, to come out and say. But I don't think it'd do him any favors. And I'm not saying he's protected himself, but if he just kept saying, "Oh yeah, well, you know, it's bad luck, or it's the referee," which is what we've heard Howard Ice do before, or other managers would deflect. They would create, you know, Ferguson used to, he would have come out and created a big scene about the firework, you know, if it had gone wrong, just to try and deflect everything. Yeah. Whereas actually, I, I quite like the insight that he gives. And I don't think he's doing it in an overly targeted way. He's not saying Leo Volstead should never, ever have done that in a million years. And what's he think? Yeah. It's just, I think he's just honest in his interviews. And, and I don't mind that. No. Okay, well, we're actually getting on to the Volstead start side of things with the next question where Silly Billy, what a name, asks, a lot of fans are pointing fingers at our defensive and goalkeeping coaching. Is Ben Benson at least partly to blame for our current position? So there's a lot discussed about Ben Benson. I found out over the last few days that he's actually the uh, current set-piece coach as well as being goalkeeping coach and doing a lot of the defensive coaching. Now... I know he's the goalkeeping coach. Got Chris Renshaw as well. Chris Renshaw's the assistant keeper coach, isn't he as well? Yeah. So, so you got you've obviously got the goalkeeping coaching, but from the set piece point of view, is it correct that he's Ben Benson's doing a lot of the set piece coaching as well at the moment? From my understanding, I think they tend to do it all together in terms of on the training pitch. But Ben Benson's definitely the one that you always see at the side of the pitch with the flip charts, which are always who's picking who up from a set piece. And if you watch, he nips, always nips to the fourth official, who's coming on for them, who is it? And he's changing it on his sheet. And that's the kind of messages that he's sharing out. So I think... To be honest, that's, that's he, quite common for a goalkeeper coach to do that. I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think he takes that role on a match day. But I, I, from what I understand, it's shared out between them okay. all. So, so Rene uh, and, and the other lads... Um, in training, they they all do it. So so obviously we'll we'll just talk from the goalkeeping and defensive side. So the thing is, is we've had a lot of issues with the goalkeepers for the last few years, basically since he's taken the job. And I don't, I don't know. I've every time that they send these videos of inside the Brock Hall and it's all the goalkeeping side. I watch him intently. I'm looking, 
And they're not going to put anything of detail out, but I am looking at things like that. And you've got to say he's got some he's got something to do with it because the fact that Kaminsky um, had a few issues, but then he's gone on and doing really well. Raya had a few issues. He's gone on and done quite well. But generally, goalkeepers haven't done fantastic for us. And we've had a lot of issues, mostly to do with coming for crosses, um, I think, with most of our goalkeepers. I think it's a modern issue with many many goalkeepers anyway. Mm. Um, I I do think that Ben Benson may have issues. I can't judge him because I haven't actually seen any sessions and or anything like that. I can only go off the fact that we've had issues over the last few years. So Dan, do you do you think goalkeeping coaching uh, and coaches make this much of an impact to a squad? I think they have the set, you know, the set ways of doing stuff. I think Thomas Kaminsky actually really praised Ben Benson when he left. I'm sure he was sure mm, to recall yeah, from him saying that yeah, that he's really grateful for him. For me, the certain things you can't judge like the what the Volstead one against uh, Rotherham coming out for that. I think everyone knows you have to come and get that as a keeper. I don't think you need coaching into that. I think the things we're making a a personal choices, and I don't think that massively comes down to the coaches. You know, this is like you say, this is the same coach that Thomas Kaminsky had, and I know Kaminsky's doing well now, but you know, keepers are going to make mistakes anyway. I don't massively blame him. I think there might be something there, but unless I was the day-to-day doing, you know, being in his role, shadowing what he was doing. I struggled to actually find out where the blame's at with that. I feel half the time it's just nerves and just personal mistakes that are costing us. I think we saw it with uh, with Olstead's corner that he missed against Rotherham. I think that isn't coaching. That's, for me, that's just stupidity almost from a goalkeeper. Yeah, and I think there's a turnover of staff as well. The fact that, you know, from a goalkeeping point of view, I mean, we've had so many goalkeepers over the last few years that he's had to deal with. And, you know, a goalkeeping coach, he's got to set and try and improve that player. And he's only got a certain amount of time to do it in a day, across a week and across a season. And then the keeper's off and he's got to start all over again with a different goalkeeper. So I think there's an element of that. I mean, Mark... I know that obviously we're very frustrated with the goalkeepers and defensive side at the moment. Can we point it towards the coaching or is it solely on the players' back? I think Ben Benson gets a lot of um, fingers pointed at him, partly because fans have a distrust between people who were, other than Damien Johnson, because he's he's played for Rovers, I think fans have an innate distrust about people who've been promoted from within since Venkis because they've had bad experiences and they think it's the easy option or, well, why is he still there? That David Law gets a bit of that. However, one of the big problems for me is I, I'm yet to see a goalkeeper improve under him. Yeah, that's that's the, the, the top and bottom of it. Um, I will counter that with, though, most football clubs have an experienced goalkeeper. And Leo Volstead and Ainsley Pairs are not experienced. They've got two young lads that are training with them all the time. They're probably trying to learn off Falstead. I just think we are missing a trick. How many times do you, even if he's Stuart, Stuart Taylor was at City and you've, they've got, um, who is it they've got now? That, that Scott, always Carson. Scott, Scott Carson. Scott Carson. Yeah. But everybody else on. Tom Heaton has been brought into Manchester United's under-21s. They'll probably have Chelsea. one of the best, they'll have one of the best under-21 goalkeeping coaches around. But there's still yeah. something that can't be replaced by keeping Tim Flowers knocking around, bringing Bobby Mims back in. Just missing a trick. It's yeah, I, th- I completely agree. And the NFL do it with their quarterbacks. You'll get normally a rookie quarterback, the franchise quarterback, and they'll bring in what they call a grey beard. That's the guy that's been there, done that on very minimum wages. Now the thing is, obviously, what we're talking about again comes down to to financial things. Is yes, you could go and get yourself um, a thirty-five plus year old goalkeeper that may be looking to get into coaching, that comes yeah. and takes a bit of a pay cut, helps out around the coaching, puts his arm around because he's not looking for that first team shirt, so they haven't got that pressure, and he wants to help them and just and it's a different kind of coaching. Now, 
Oh, it's it's the kind of thing I, I started to do uh, at a much lower level, much, much, much lower level, where I knew that I wasn't going to be the number one goalkeeper and I was there to help out and I actually really enjoyed it. And I think you're completely right. You could go and find yourself someone that hasn't necessarily played Championship or even League One, but just someone that's been around um, football, goalkeeping, you know, had a guy with a pie and a pint behind him shouting the obscenities throughout the game at him during games. I mean, I had um, a Barry Town goalkeeper and he played against Porto, his surname Clark, something like that. And he was telling me all the tricks of the trade and things like that. And it, I think it is important. And I think I think you're completely right. And getting that grey beard goalkeeper in, but it just depends on wages. Are they willing to spend X amount on someone just to sit there and help? I personally think it would be beneficial, like you were saying, but are they I, willing to yeah. put that money into it? Volstead's got a high ceiling for me. He's got he's got the stuff you can't teach. And if you can then turn him into money, so that, to me, it's an investment. Yeah. You know, oh, Alan Kelly, yeah, Alan Kelly lives. Alan Kelly lives close by. Is he was at Everton at one stage? Is he still there? I yeah, I follow think... him on. I follow him on Twitter. He does quite a bit. I think he he does his own Send him a message. company now. I've actually yeah, got a friend who's. I'll DM him. I'll, I'm going to put my CV in anyway. <laughs> I've got a friend who's. Um, he's a he's a university lecturer, and he's flying out to a, a conference this week in LA. It sounds very flash. He is flash. Uh, and he is one of the guest speakers is Javier Zanetti. But more importantly, one is Brad Friedel. So I've given, I've tasked him with two things. One, he needs a photo and a hug. Two, ask him how much to come back. Come on. We can crowdfund this. <laughs> well, he failed as a manager at New England, didn't he? I know that. So I'm just I'm can't speak about Brad like that. We can't speak about Brad like that. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we've got one last question, just a quick one. So this is from Aaron Boyce. How much would you sell Smodix for, given his recent four? Now, I'm going to say now and then at the end of the season. So how much would you take for him now? And how much would you take for him at the end of the season? So I'm going to I'm gonna go to Mark first. Mark looks like he, he may have an answer. Thanks. Can we reinvest all this money? All the money. I'm going to say all money gets reinvested. Oh, that changes my mind. Now, while you two are thinking, I'm going to say this. I... I don't think Smodix offers as much as Brereton did and as Adam Armstrong did, who would, I would say, are two of our last big assets. Now, I know we didn't get anything for Brereton, but he did have value in him and we just yeah. chose not to. Uh, to they're also, they're young players and they are players. And who, he's a bit older. Yeah. So and, and I, I would think say. He's, he's also, sorry, man, he's also. Adam Armstrong, you could fit to most pressing teams. Brereton, I think, fitted most modern teams because of his yeah. physicality. I think Smodix is more of a Jordan Rhodes. I don't mean he's a striker, but in the sense of you're going to have to build things around him and sacrifice what the things he doesn't do as well. So this, this was going to be, yeah, so this is my point, is the fact that he doesn't have as much to his game as other ones so i would say if we was offered 10 million now i'd snap mm -hmm. your hand off but i don't mm -hmm. think we'd be offered anywhere near that i think it would i think if someone was to come in i think the the bids would be around the six million mark uh yeah. would be the silly money and at the end of the season i believe that he could that you'd you'd probably get something like four million bids if he carries on his goal scoring. Mm -hmm. Um but because of his age and because he doesn't offer as much around the pitch and his size and his age, yeah, I think I think those are the figures for me. So Dan sorry, miss you on then. <laughs> no, I'll be honest, uh, I'd take eight mil. I'll be honest. If we could reinvest it in this side, I'd take eight million. Uh end of the season. <sighs> I'd probably take around the same, to be honest. Like you said, I don't think we'd get it for either eight now or uh, in the summer. But yeah, I'd go. I think I'd go eight now. I'd bite your hand off at eight million if it got reinvested back in uh, to the playing staff. Mark? A little bit of a sketchy answer, but I would, whoever's on Greg Broughton's list as a striker and he could purchase 
for that fee. So, you know, but we know all those players around that he could purchase a striker for that fee that's 24. Then that's the fee I'd accept, basically. But an arbitrary figure, I'd accept six. And I think you'd that's the bid that would be coming in now. And I think he will tail off goals wise. He can't keep this up, surely. Otherwise, he's on 40 yard. I mean, I hope he does. <laughs> but I also think if you're going to sell Smodics, it's going to be somebody that goes, we need them goals now to get us up. Yeah. And they're panicking. About, I mean, I've heard Burnley fans after him. Burnley, fan, Burnley fans are adamant they'd have him. If, if they're well, coming, by the way, it's 10 million. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, I, I believe that, you know, they say, uh, you know, class is permanent, uh, forms temporary, class is permanent. I think I think he's more of a form player. I think he's just on form. Yeah. He's on a hot streak. If I we got money, I would cash value. in. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I... I, he's not the kind of player I would want to keep um, if we was offered decent money. Um, I don't want to be in another Brereton situation, which was another one I, I said that I thought was a bit of a flash in the pan and a bit of a form player. Um, I wish we'd cashed in on him. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think Schmodix is probably along the lines of he's a form player. You'd just take that money. So, but yeah, that's the mailbag. Thanks, man. Perfect. Thank you very much, mate. We'll just move on uh, to a quick quiz about this one's actually about the FA Cup. We've been the FA Cup games in the weekend just gone. We've gone away from the Rovers quiz as such. There might be a couple of Rovers answers in here, but it's just an FA Cup quiz, a straight one up between Mike and Mike. Mike, how are you feeling about the FA Cup? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what my knowledge has been. I said to you today, I've been hit on the head so many times, all the knowledge has come out of it. We'll have to see, won't we? And of course, Mark, how are you feeling, FA Cup? Not, not my forte. This one, Dan. This could be painful. I could don't be like watching you... our defending. <laughs> I'll give you some more out questions. This isn't. Uh, this isn't my questions. I found these online. Just, just to make you feel young, make you feel young, Dan. And at risk of ruining one of your answers, the most. My biggest FA Cup memory, if I'm being perfectly honest, Rovers aside, was watching Everton beat Man United 1-0 when Paul Rideout scored. And I watched it on Teletext in Dixon's in Blackburn. I love Teletext. Not, not, none, of them, none of them things exist anymore, but yeah. None of them questions are here. Don't worry about that. Uh, yeah, so it'll be straight up one. We just need your buzzers. So, Mike, I'll let you have first choice of your buzzer. What are we going for? I'm going to go for Bambi. Because <laughs> I'm thinking Mike, Disney and I'm thinking I'll defend him. Mike, what are we going for? Um, I'm going to go Lion King. Lion King. Oh, look at this, a Disney theme. Right, let's get into it. I'll ask you the question. First one to buzz in. Uh, I'll only accept your buzzer to keep it fair. Across the history of the tournament, which side has won the most FA Cups? Bambi. Go on. Manchester United. No. Mike. Is it uh, Liverpool? It's not. It's Arsenal. Fourteen oh, times they won it. Next. Who was the first overseas manager to win the FA Cup? Oh, that's a tough. The counting Irish. No. Lion King. Go on. Is it Rude Hullet? It is Rude Hullet. Nineteen ninety-seven. Yes. Chelsea beat Middlesbrough. I'll take that. I'm retiring on quizzes, boys. That's me done. Uh, what is the name of the famous Christian hymn sung at the FA Cup final? Uh, Lion King. Mark. Uh, abide with me. It is abide yeah. with me. Do you want to give us a rendition? No. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, which club, now a Premier League club, were the only club outside of the Football League to win the FA Cup? So when they won it, there was a non-Football League side. Now they're a Premier League side. Lion King. Is well, it Luton? It's not. No. Right. 
Sheffield United? It's Tottenham. Tottenham won it in 1901. Uh, Year ended in one. Who managed Wigan in the successful 2013 FA Cup? Mike. Is it uh, Paul? Um, oh, God, he's gone up my head. Paul Joel. Nope. Oh, no, it wasn't. Mark. Roberto Martinez. It is Roberto Martinez. Which League One side famously knocked Chelsea out in 2015? Bambi. Was that um, Bradford City? It was Bradford City. John Stead. Was their manager Paul Joel? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Phil Parkinson, I think. Parkinson, Yeah. 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 In 1991, which club came the first team from Scotland to play in the FA Cup proper for 105 years? So the clue might be geographically. Yeah, um, I know it. Begins with a B, doesn't it? No. Okay, it's not that then. The first Scottish side to play in the FA Cup. Proper. The FA Cup proper. So, so, so first round onwards. Yes. Bam, bam. Okay. Go on. Gretna. It is Gretna. I was oh, going to give you a clue okay. saying people might go there for a certain reason. Mm. Uh, who won the last FA Cup final to be played at the old Wembley? Oh, in the I year 2000. Last, I remember the last game there. Bambi. Go on. Was it? Oh, no, no. That was the Worthington Cup. I'm going to have to now just throw one out there. Arsenal. No, Mark. Is it Man United? No. Who were you going to say, Mark? Tottenham. No, Chelsea. Yeah. Oh. Uh, we just got a few more. Which non-league side reached the quarterfinals of the FA Cup in 2017? Oh, yeah. They beat someone we might be glad they beat. Certain extra-fingered club down the road, they beat. I remember Lincoln doing it, but they weren't on league, were they? Who did you say, Mark? Sorry, Bambi. Uh, Was it Lincoln? It was Lincoln. (laughs) But they're (laughs) not league then. They were not league, yeah. That's even worse All than I thought. What a All set that money of losers. Got them in. What a set of losers. Which player is featured in more FA Cup finals than anyone else? Ooh. Uh, Lion King. Go on. Ryan Giggs? No. Watch out. Bambi. Uh, Frank Lampard? No. Ashley Cole. Oh, of course. The Arsenal. The Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more before we finish. In what year did Portsmouth win the FA Cup? Or last win the FA Lion Cup? King. In case they've won it before. Mark? Is it t- 2008? It is. Oh, I, I a, see. There's knowledge fire. in my head. Random knowledge. I won't get the easy stuff, but I'll get absolute random stuff. I'll tell you what, Mike. Judy is looking at you lovingly there. She's loving it. Give a little tickle. Out of context. (laughs) Can you name any club that has retained the FA Cup? Bambi. Go on. Arsenal. Yep. Do you not think of Blackham Rovers for that one? So, I, I, I knew that and I wanted to answer, but I'll be honest, I couldn't remember my buzzer. I wanted to say, <laughs> I remember, it remember my buzzer name because I've said do you remember it? so many times. Do you, do you know what happened? We don't Mike? need to know what I, you've done. I distracted you thinking of Judy Murray. It was tactical. So, yeah, I just got all flustered. This is what yeah. love does to you, doesn't it? Well, that's why when I mentioned Gretna, Dan lost it for a minute as well. Yeah. Uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, fill in the blank. Tony Roberts became the first. Blank to score in the FA Cup. Lion King. Goal. Goalkeeper. Goalkeeper. 
Which current non-league club have scored the most goals in FA Cup history? Lion King. If anyone gets this, I'm going off. Go Kettering on. Town. How do you know that? Because <laughs> is that is that true for a start? It's honestly Kettering Town. The reason it's Kettering Town, right? They've there's something to do with Kettering Town being the first team to do something as well. Like first one to have corner flags or sponsors on their shirts or something. So Kettering Town's always in my mind. Oh, I know about loads Kettering. of crap bouncing around in my head and none of it's useful. This is unbelievable. The only thing I know we- about Kettering Town is we beat them four 0 once in the third round. I think. Yeah. We'll go to seven. Uh, no, we'll go to yeah. We'll go seven points and it's six four to Mark. So Mark, you only need one more point. Lovely. Who are the only Scottish clubs who have played in the FA Cup final? Now, if you've watched the Netflix documentary about Darwin or the show, you probably get it off that. Bambi, was it something like Edinburgh City? No. Mark? Um, Glasgow. Nope, it's Queen's Park. Oh, oh makes sense, yeah. yeah. Uh, where are we? Who were the only non-English team to have won the FA Cup? Bambi. Go on. Cardiff. It is Cardiff. Well done, Mark. Well done, Mark. Got a 7-4 win there for Mark. Yeah. I, I thought you were getting back yeah. in that, Mark. That Ketu Town answer should have been five points on its own, but... <laughs> You're not wrong. I don't I don't make the rules, unfortunately, so... Uh, it is what it is. Well done, Mark. There. Now, as we referenced before the quiz, let's do a bit of a predictions for the next coming year or so. We did them in the end of the 2023 episode where we did our player of the year, etc. moment of the year. This time, we're going to do a few predictions, maybe a bit different to the awards. But the first one is the player prediction. So, this can be any prediction about any one specific player. Mark, what's your prediction for a certain player? Okay, so I'm predicting that Sam Gallagher will not be with us uh, come the start of next season. So at the end of this season, I think he'll be with us to the end of the season. I think he'll leave in the summer. Mark? I'm going to say Hayden Carter will be the next Blackburn Rovers player to play in a Premier League game, and he'll do it in 2024. So... Take that by whatever you think, but I, I don't suspect that'll be with Rovers, which won't be a big shock <laughs> to anybody then. My prediction is by the end of 2024, 20, Sammy Smadich is still playing for Rovers, but we will have scored less than five goals in the next season. I feel we're going to see maybe a drop off next year. Hold on then. Yeah. So you think he's, you right, how much of a drop off do you think he's, what's he got in last calendar year? Do you, so you think he's going to get the beginning of this season? What did he have? Sixteen before Christmas. You think he's going to get yeah. less than sixteen goals the whole of next, a whole of this year? Yeah, I'm going for it. I think he'll have a year where we might just see him drop off a bit. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, next, is Take that bit. <laughs> next is a prediction <laughs> for anything to do with the team. So anything related to Blackman Rovers, Mike. Okay, I'm going to be Mr. Positive again, and I'm going to say that the summer transfer window is going to be extremely successful for us, and we will go into the next season as one of the favourites for playoffs. Mike? Um, I like that, Mike. I'm going to say that the starting 11 from the last game of 2023... Only three of those players will be in the starting eleven at the last game of 2024. My prediction is that the coaching staff by the first game of 2024 will have three extra overs players in it. So that includes Damien Johnson. I feel we'll see Morton Gaps Pedersen as part of the club. And I won't be shocked to see David Dunn take up a role again, uh, depending on what happens with Port Vale. So I think we'll be pretty much you know, past players and so surely in terms of the team. You're you're employing Morton Gams Pedersen as a set piece coach, I take it though. 
Well, he'll be here in some capacity. <laughs> we'll go set pieces. He'd be good at that. Uh, next is a wild prediction. So these aren't ones we probably expect to come true. Wild prediction for 2024, Mike. What are we going for? Okay. I don't know why I've gone I've gone with this because I'm not sure how wild it actually is. But I'm going to say that JDT will not be manager going into 2025. Mike? Similar team. I think three different managers will manage a Rovers game in 2024. Are we including caretakers? You're damn right I'm including a caretaker. So I, I, <laughs> We'd have to have a pretty shit time to uh, have three we've done it, We have done it before. It's Blackman I Rovers know, or anything. I, I will go for, by the end of 2024, Ewood Park will not be called Ewood Park. Well, it will be, but it'll have a sponsorship name because we've sold everything else off. It must be close to being something. Uh, so I'll go for a sponsorship name, something like the... Oh, I think... I think don't Dan, say it. Don't say Dan, it. I might, I might be wrong, but I think Benke's already sponsored the ground. They just don't choose to have their name on it. Right, well, we'll go for the names then. We'll go for... It okay. will be named as the something Ewood Park. The Benke's like Arena? Oh, the Venky Dome. Uh, and the final one is one player to watch. So this could be in any form. It's not, this player's going to be incredible. It's who is the player you are most looking forward to or most interested in how 2024 will go for them. Matt? So, Zach Gilsonen, and I, I, I mean, my prediction with him, he's going to take uh, Shabodik's position um, in that number 10 role. So, quite intrigued to see what he's got. Mark? I'm going to say that mine is Leo Duru. I think he will play a number of games in the first team. Mine is Georgie but Gent. I, I thought of moving it. Yeah. Well, after writing him off last year, I think we could see Georgie Gent become a real regular mm. in this team. He's getting experience at the right level now. Probably better experience than any of our loans has had, or mm -hmm. especially in a long time. Uh, but that's where Randolph, you can get your predictions in down below. We'll revisit these at the end of 2024. Hopefully, we're not at the Venky Dome, and hopefully, <laughs> we are in the Premier League with and Carter. But we'll have to wait and see. That's where we'll round off this episode. Uh, pleasure being back for 2024. Of course, we did our one last Thursday, but feels to be good back on a Monday. Mark, thank you as always. No, cheers, mate. And remember, for the uh, viewers and listeners, uh, the email address is roverschat at gmail.com. If you've got any questions for the mailbag, any comments, any feedback, just drop us an email. Perfect. You can also get us on X at uh, roverschat underscore as well if you want to. Mark, thank you as well. No, thank you very much. So uh, we'll be putting our... Uh them out as a poll or something more so people can put their own in because i i really want to know people's want to watch but i'm more interested in what they think the ground will be called by the end of you know we could have so any suggestions here i'm sold on the venky dome i'd have the venky dome i think it'd be good uh, thank you to everyone for watching whatever platform you're watching on or listening on subscribe leave us a rating if you're listening on spotify or apple it really helps mm. boost us to people uh, if you're watching on youtube leave a comment share the podcast with people the numbers are really good at the moment uh, let's keep it going. And of course, there'll be plenty of other content out. I'm sure we'll build up to the visit of Disney Plus to Ewood Park. Uh, plenty of chat about all of that stuff and more coming up coming weeks. Of course, next week, we'll review the West Brom game. We'll head to the Huddersfield game. Somehow we're playing them again, as we always do about two weeks after we play them. Uh, but that's where we'll finish. Like I say, leave a review, leave a comment, share the podcast, follow us on all the socials. You know what to do by now. And we'll see you soon. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.